Hey Nacho. Hey Sophie D. Ooh. Welcome to Late to the Party. Where we talk about movies and TV shows we missed out on when they were super popular. I guess you could say that we're late late to to the the party. Can I tell you something really fun? Oh, yeah, of course. I am learning a new trick. A new trick? Yes, a new card trick. Oh, my God. <laughs> Are you finally leaning into the card tricks? Yes, I watched one single TikTok, and I was like, bro, he made it look so easy. I got to try it. I could do that. Exactly. <laughs> well, so, okay, so I went through his page. So I'm like, it wasn't one single TikTok. I saw the one, and then I went to his page, and then I kept going through it, and then I saw that he had a tutorial, and I was like, uh, I could do that. <laughs> So for the past two days, I've just not done anything else but play with these cards. Oh, my God. So I'm just working on like just throwing it straight up in the air and catching it just to to practice like throwing it in a straight line. Uh And like the whole um, because if you even throw it at like a 45 degree angle, maybe 15 ish, it'll come back to you like it's like a boomerang. That's cool. So I want to get good at a boomerang. And then after that, I can play with like actual card tricks. Ah, I like the ones where they throw the cards and it like cut stuff. I'll, we'll get there eventually. <laughs> right now, I can't. I'm dangerous. <laughs> Watch out, ladies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was trying to try, like, just to see what distance would do. It's very hard. Yeah. Wouldn't, not my, not for my first day. I'll get there maybe in two or three weeks. We'll see if I even keep it up that long. Yeah. But I'm using Harry Potter Uno cards because, one, that's the only, and I'm lying, that's not the only Uno deck. That's the first Uno deck I found, but I figured if I had an Uno deck rather than just a regular card deck, I have more cards to play with. Yeah. You know, so I could play with more before I have to go clean up. You can also ruin those. That's true, yeah. yeah. Since J.K. Rowling ruined Harry Potter. Oops. <laughs> anyway. Whoops. <laughs> uh, eventually, <laughs> we're going to recover from that a little bit. I want to get, um, I need to find some like styrofoam so that I can try to like throw it into things. Yeah. And then eventually I'll, I'll graduate to fruit oh. and try to aim for the fruit. That's that's going to be like high level though. Nat, sliceless fruit for me. <laughs> yeah. Yo, I got you, I got you. <laughs> but that's that's all that's new in my life. How about you? Any card tricks going on in yours? No, I've just been trying to work out more. <laughs> oh, okay. That's about it. That's respectable. Gains. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when you get really strong fingers and wrists, you can throw cards so far. Wait, okay. It's speaking, all in the wrist. Speak, because we've talked about my lack of grip strength. Yes. Um, I bought these uh, packets. The squeezers? No. Oh. I bought these packets of like a powder to make energy drink. Mm-hmm. I can't rip Oh no. the packets. They're too tough. So I've just been cutting them with scissors. I mean, maybe they made it like that on purpose i don't know it's just tear here oh oops <laughs> I'm like, I you can't know what it. it is that's what they that's their mind tricks to be like bro i'm not strong enough i need to work out more i need yeah. to use more of this powder i'm like nah that's what they're doing <laughs> i'm a modern woman i have scissors it's fine. exactly yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> or i love the ones where it's like a um where everybody can't open the jar but then you just slice it with a knife and then you just pop it open i've seen uh tapping it i've seen that too i'm scared about that with like glass jars though yeah me too like i would I don't like I get it, but I also just am scared because remember my story about the the glass ornament that I just yeah. shattered in my hand. Yeah, I can't do it anymore. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Personally, I wouldn't that. risk it. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, I didn't write a Nat's original synopsis for this. We'll just make it up as we go. Okay, that's fine. Speaking of, yes, what are we watching this week? The Search for General Tso, which is a documentary yeah. about modern day Chinese food. 
okay. Americanized Chinese food. Yeah, I I didn't know anything about this movie, and it sounded interesting because we're always talking about always where food comes from. Yeah, and we always talk about like I know we bring it up all the time. Like, why does every Chinese restaurant have the same exact menu? Like, why why do they all have like the same variation of like five names? Yeah, and th- this movie hits on all that. But I didn't expect it to be as, like, serious and educational. Yeah. No, same. I was like, whoa, I'm learning yeah. a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't ready for that, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> Me neither. I was like, just ready for, like, here's the food, and there's the food, and there's more food. And no, I got Chinese American history. Yeah. I, I was, like, having a really rough week. So I was like... Yeah, I'm going to watch a fun documentary about food. And I was like, oh. I'm not. <laughs> I'm going to watch a educational documentary yeah. about food. I was like, I'm learning a whole Ooh, lot. Yeah. <laughs> no, same. I've been having, just speaking of, I get, we're going to be touching on, I guess, the, the recent Asian American stuff. Because this is very um, topical to that. Yeah, didn't expect that. Didn't expect that either. I've been having a rough three weeks. Has it been three weeks or just two weeks? Recent times. Yeah. With that. And then this one, I was like, oh. Like, I also thought I was going to, like, escape into some, like, no thoughts, head empty, just food <laughs> movies. No. No. No, I had to think about it more. But, I mean, at least it was all important stuff It to was, learn. yeah. That's that's my big takeaway from yeah. it. <laughs> so, let me, let me make up a natural synopsis on the spot. This movie is a documentary about searching for the namesake of General So's chicken. And we go to China. We go back to the States. We go through all of American Chinese history. And we find out where General So's chicken came from. Yeah, not to like the last 20 minutes. Of course. Uh, yeah. <laughs> why, why would and you? And then it was so dramatic. Very dramatic. I was like, I didn't expect all this drama. I wish they would have made it like, <laughs> just spend like the first 20 minutes doing that. And then the rest of the movie is a reenactment of what it was. Oh my god. That yeah. would have been so good. <laughs> anyway, yes. We open on just like the setting up for a Chinese restaurant kind of photo shoot. Yes. Which was pretty neat. It was neat. And I thought again, misled, I thought it was gonna be all that. <laughs> to be like, this is how you prep a Chinese photo shoot, this is how you do this. No. <laughs> yeah. We're with this one lady and she's on top of it. She's like getting all our chefs. She's like, give me the prettiest broccoli, like this and that. And she's like really like ordering all these men around. I'm like, yeah. Queen shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then the subtitles, we start off real strong with these subtitles. <sighs> So this movie's on Hulu. Yes. And, you know, I like to have subtitles on. Who doesn't? But this documentary also has its own subtitles for when people aren't speaking in English. Yes. So Hulu was like, let me put my subtitles on top of the movie subtitles. And Hulu subtitles say, speaking in ethnic language. And how is that even useful at all? Yeah. Also, (laughs) this is a straight up Chinese movie. How many languages are there for you to choose from? There, I know there are like hundreds of Chinese languages, but you can just say speaking Chinese. Yeah. You know, like it's not hard. Like you're not going to say speaking Swahili. Like yeah. it's, you're not going to mistake that. And I don't know. Is that for like the hearing impaired people so they know like they're not hearing English anymore? Maybe. But, like, but then they're not telling you what they're not hearing. Yeah. You're just saying speaking language and you're not saying they're saying to put the broccoli here and get this dish on that plate. Yeah. Like so, you're missing all those subtitles. Yeah. And then another thing that really grinds my gear. Tell me about hulu is their subtitles always have typos Ooh, there's always typos hulu we're Get talking to you this is a call out we are mentioning you right now it like really unhots my dog Ooh, 
Ooh, that really molds your bread? Yeah. Ugh. I hate it. Can't do it. <laughs> anyway, the title credits of a montage happen. There are people describing what General Slow's chicken is, you know, that it's like dark meat seasoned, marinated, cooked, crisped up. And then it's good to know because I've never had it. Have you ever had it? I've had it, but I'm not a fan. Whatever spice is in it is the only thing I can taste. Mm. <laughs> I've just never known, like, because I've never seen a description of it so i'm like i don't know what that is so i'm not gonna eat it yeah i would say it's like sesame seed chicken but spicier without the sesame seeds oh i love sesame chicken me too so good (laughs) anyway so then a white man says that general sauce chicken is maybe the second most popular ethnic dish in america and that that unhotted my dog because (laughs) like ethnic is technically the correct way to describe any food that's not american food but i just can't with like just like even like back to today's stuff it's like anytime like somebody's like hey i love your ethnic food it just like it just feels like gross you know (laughs) like and i know that he's correct in saying that but i just like wish that he wouldn't yeah and this movie was from 2015 so it's like pretty recent but also like kind of old so you know yeah yeah i mean there was like a few things where i was like they didn't have to say that they didn't have to say that they did not have to include this <laughs> like there was like one guy later on in the movie and i was like i had to pause and be like did he just say what he, 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 just- he did so then <laughs> we go to a restaurant owner and her she says that her customers come seven days a week and it's amazing it makes her feel great and i was like yes queen do it yes yeah. Um, we also get shots of the dish being made, and it looks so good. I got really hungry so watching this yeah. one. I was like, I could go for some beef and broccoli right yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. One woman says, you'll find a Chinese restaurant in the middle of nowhere, and they'll serve General So's chicken. How did that happen? And I was like, yeah, is it How not- did that happen? Yeah, how- what? <laughs> if, if it's not classic, if it's not a classic dish, then what has what's yeah. the deal with that? What's you know, I will on? say this movie did do a good job of like setting up all of the questions yeah. and answering them. Yeah, like immediately. Yeah. Well, not that main question, right? But, <laughs> <laughs> but all every sub question. Yeah, the rest of it. Yeah, I liked the animations in this movie mm-hmm. a lot too. Yeah, they were fun. Yeah. So then we cut to New York City, and some Oriental music starts to play. Why did they have to do that? We don't need to do that. <laughs> Don't call me Oriental. Don't do We're that. not rugs. We're a people. Just say music. Please. Just say music. Or even just like Asian music. Asian yeah. inspired. You can even say Chinese if you want to get specific. But, but like Oriental is not the word that we need to use anymore. Yeah. We can retire that one respectfully. <laughs> Too funny. Yeah. So we're in Chinatown in New York City and it totally hit me in the feels. Yeah. You yeah. know, we spot Hop Key and Wool Hop in the background and I'm like, I gotta go. It's I gotta so, go back sad. to Chinatown. Yeah. I'm so hungry. Yeah. <laughs> we meet this dude named Harley Spiller, I believe. Oh, I didn't get his name. He's a menu collector. Didn't know that that existed. Yeah. He's got a Guinness World Record of menu collections. Yeah. Um, as like the food nerd spectrum, he's like the opposite end of foodie. He's got like this whole oh, collection yeah, right. of restaurants. Just the menus. Stuff. Doesn't know about the food. Menus from like everywhere, from like the super old ones. He all has over the been place. collecting for 25 years. Yeah. Who That's... has the time? I yeah. mean, r- respect to him, yes. But like, who, maybe not who has the time, but like, who decides? Like, I like just the people, like collections, people that have like those quirky collections. I wonder like what it is that's like, yeah, I'm going to collect thumbtacks. I used to collect rocks as a kid. Rocks is a very, like, every kid thing. <laughs> Not to make you feel, like, unoriginal, well, but it's very relatable. My dad didn't like it because I dug holes in the backyard <laughs> oh. <laughs> to find rocks. Oops. I found so many shiny ones. Yeah, I bet they were so valuable, yeah. though. 
They totally were. My dad's like, why are you doing Put this? Put them back. Oh my God, no, I like digging. I need them to drain my plants. Yeah. <laughs> but so this guy has been collecting for 25 years. He also has like all this like, he, he calls it Chinese restaurant memorabilia. And I'm like, you're just stealing chopsticks, guy. He's got right. like all these chopsticks everywhere. <laughs> and I was like very much on the edge of my seat to see if he was like, oh, is this man just like a straight up weeb? <laughs> like, is he like a weeb, but like in a weird like corner facet of weebs? I didn't get weeb from him. I think him. he was okay. Yeah, I was like waiting. I was waiting to see where he was going to fall, I but I think he's respectful about it. Yeah, I didn't get weeb vibes. Yeah. Because it's not like he was sitting there like, oh, these menus are so sexy. <laughs> oh, they just get me. There's no ethnic. He shows us this whole wall of boxes in his apartment and calls it his memorabilia archive. And I don't get collecting things and leaving them in cardboard boxes. Yeah. Because then you don't get to... you're not seeing them. Yeah, you don't get to see them and enjoy them. Or like you're not showing them off. You're not, you know. Yeah. It's interesting. Like frame some of your favorite menus and like hang them up. Right, yeah. (laughs) Or yeah, right. Like one every every decade would be cool. I mean, we're not his life. We we don't have to give him the free advice. Yeah, do you whatever your face. (laughs) But so then (laughs) he says that there's a trick of the trade and you see if there's a little pen tick near a menu item, that means that it's a highly recommended dish. And he's like, I would know I'm a professional menu reader. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, oh boy. (laughs) Not Again, not to make fun of him. I was just like, wow. Who knew? Who knew that that existed? The confidence. Good for him. (laughs) He got a Guinness World Record out of it. He did. So good, you know, more power to him. I mean, he's living a good life. Yeah. He he obviously ate at all these restaurants, right? Like, that's how he got the menus. I hope so. (laughs) Uh, Maybe people mailed them to him once they heard that he was a collector. Maybe. Uh, Who knows? But he explains that, like, you know, menus are mysteries. They answer a lot of questions, but then they raise more. Then he shows us one that's called The Mysteries of the Orient. (laughs) I had to pause. That, that took some wind out of me. I paused it. I sent it to you and I was like, hello. There's no need. <laughs> and the only thing I can say, I was going to save it for later, but I'm going to say it now, is that I looked it up afterwards and this movie was made by a white man. And the only thing I'm going to say there without pointing too many fingers is that, like, of course, something like that would go over his head. Uh, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. But I do have to disagree with our guy here because he says menus are mysterious and I'm like... They're pretty straightforward. Yeah, they're pretty... No, they're pretty straightforward. And they make me very hungry. Yeah. I don't know what you I mean, find if they were mysterious, they wouldn't be doing their jobs. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Excuse me. You need a new menu if it's mysterious. I think the mystery is if you're unfamiliar with a dish, but then you ask your waiter. Right, yeah. <laughs> okay. So then he says that there's probably 15 different spellings of so in his collection. And then it, there, we also get into how there's different pronunciations. It's so, it's toe, it's sow, it's chow. So, you know, there's just, just explaining and setting up the idea yeah. that, that there's a big mystery around General So himself because nobody knows how to pronounce his name. Nobody knows how to spell his name. Uh, large nobody. microaggressions. But anyway. Oh, yeah. And like, we're like, is he real? Like, Right. Yeah, exactly. We don't even know if he's real. Yeah. At this point, I was kind of annoyed, though, because I was like, why do we care about any of this? Like, I just want to know about the food history. Right. Like, why do we spend 10 minutes with this white man talking about menus? <laughs> and the mysteries of the Orient. <laughs> oh, my God. God damn it. <laughs> that is a pet peeve of mine. You yeah. know one way to get under my skin real fast? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But what's cool is that when people are discussing some of the ideas of who General So is, we get a cute animation to go with it. Yes. Loved that. It was so very. Fun. It was like black silhouettes on like golden background, very like Asian inspired. Yeah. But then they were saying, you know, like, I bet you he like led an army of like thousands of people and he had a hat because he was a general. So he had to have a hat, probably had some pretty neat armor. So then they would just like <laughs> pop the armor and the hat on him and then it would like ping on and it would look, it was fun. It was fun. It was kind of cute. It. And then they had like the, the sound effects to go with everything. Mm-hmm. So then uh, we cut to Shanghai 
And Yay. Crystal Mo is telling us that there's a Chinese name for General So, but I also didn't get it. I didn't catch it. It kind of went over my head. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then she also says that like people have probably never like people in China have not really seen General So's. Yeah, she says she's never seen it on a menu in China. And I, I was like, I wonder how many menu items actually match. Right. Well, that's the thing. Like we talk about it all the time is that like all of the Chinese restaurant, like the takeout spaces, not like the, the authentic quote unquote Chinese restaurants, yeah. but they all are like Americanized Chinese food. Yeah. So it makes sense that like people in China have never heard of General Tso's chicken. Yeah, exactly. But it's also interesting just like to see that how many people actually have not heard of it. Yeah. Um, what's funny is like when I went to college, me and my friends would order delivery all the time. So we ordered from this one Chinese place a lot. And my one friend ordered sweet and sour chicken. And when she got it, she was like, what is this? Because she's like straight up Chinese. Like yeah. she eats authentic Chinese food all the time. And we're like, it's sweet and sour chicken. She's like, why is the sauce on the side? And we're like, what do you mean? <laughs> How could you do this to me? And you're like, well, I'm not racist. I'm not racist. <laughs> and then she showed me a picture of like what she eats. And I was like, oh, that looks so much better. I'm so sorry. <laughs> we should have told you. I was like, this is good. It tastes fine. But like those, that looks better. <laughs> yeah. I'm so, I hope that she was okay after that. Oh, she was fine. She was fine. With she it. bounced back pretty yeah. fast. <laughs> Did it disappoint her? I'm um, sure a little bit. But I'm sure a little bit. I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah. It's not like home. <laughs> no. <laughs> Nothing's <But> like home. <laughs> and now we're getting a bunch of locals again saying that they've never heard of the dish. And then one woman just like laughs at a picture of the American dish. Yeah, they're showing these people like pictures of it. And people are like, what the fuck is this? I was like, yes, drag us for filth. Yeah. This is trash. Yeah. And oh. then some dude says like, you know, um, he was a he was a real person. He was a general around during like the King Dynasty, which was I looked it up in Google. I could have waited 10 minutes for them to tell us, <laughs> but I looked it up. I was like, is he fucking with our film crew? I also, I, I want, to, I, I keep like, not doing trolling? that. Like whenever people ask me about that stuff, I like just want to make something up. Like there's this, this kid who I know one day is going to ask me like, so where are you from, from? And I'm, oh. I'm like in my head, I'm building like the fake answer. Like, I think I'm going to tell him the plot of Mulan and see like how much of it he buys. You will not believe. Yeah. So like my dad got like drafted. Right. So then we had to escape. We had to run. But then I was like, no, I'm going to fight for our family's honor. <laughs> you know what I mean? But um, so the King Dynasty was between 1644 and 1912, which was a 268 year reign. Yeah. That's wild. That is a lot. Imagine going for that long. <laughs> There's a lot. Anyway. Wait, and while we're in Shanghai, yes. we get shots of food vendors on the street, and oh, it looks so good. Street food is like something else. Oh, it really is. Oh, it hits <laughs> different. I haven't even had it. I want to go and have all the street foods. Yeah, they showed some like fried squid legs, like calamari, and I was like, oh, that looks so crispy. Ooh. Ooh, love a crisp. <laughs> we should get some food. We should. <laughs> I know. Uh, anyway. Damn it. <laughs> now somebody else is saying that General So is actually from the Hunan province. Hunan, Hunan. I, you know, I'm learning about my own country. Anyway, (laughs) we meet somebody named Liang, who is a um, King Dynasty researcher. I just called him Mr. Jin. Or Mr. Jin. Yeah. Uh, He tells us... He's important enough to have a lower third. Yeah. I feel like he was the first lower third I saw. No, most people did, but they they popped in so fast that you couldn't see them. Okay. Yeah. Well, come on, guys. (laughs) Yeah, right? First the subtitles. (laughs) there's a general rule for for like lower thirds but you know what whatever not our movie what else was annoying about the hulu subtitles right over the lower third absolutely (laughs) it's like are you kidding me right now hulu makes it hard to watch things yeah not very uh watcher friendly i know so then he says that uh hunan is famous for its hot peppers food wise and And general so apparently is 
very popular, very respected in in the province. So then... I feel kind of bad that his story kind of remained there. Mm, yeah. Because, like, they were like, oh, he's famous in Hunan. And that was kind of it. Like, Right, well, it didn't go come, anywhere else. Yeah, how come no one else... I don't know. Knew anything. I wonder who's famous in the other provinces. Oh, yeah. Maybe it's that. Yeah, I mean, I guess I shouldn't be judging them because, like, I don't know shit about shit. Right. <laughs> who's famous from, like, Alabama? Who knows? Who knows? Not me. Not me. Yeah. <laughs> North Dakota? What? I don't give a Where's shit. Where's that? I don't give a shit about those states. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, come find me. <laughs> so then we find out that uh, General So has a lot of things named after him in the Hunan province, like hotels and gardens and schools. Yeah. But we are in the hotel now and a dinner, like a banquet is being set up. And I miss those. Wait, before that. Yes. So someone's asking Mr. Jin about the film crew because now we're in the Hunan province. Yes. And he tells them they're filming a documentary. And the guy asks, they have a General So's Research Institute in New York. And then, How pure. He's so cute. Uh, like, he had to have been so excited. Yeah. Because, like, he knows this guy. And he's like, oh, he's so famous. And then he would have been like, damn, I'm going to New York next week. Yeah. And then Mr. Jin's like, no, it's just a chicken dish. And I, and I was like, oh, that guy must have been so disappointed. But That's then, what sucked. Like, imagine learning that, like, your hero is just reduced to a food dish. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> and they don't even know the origin. Like, they don't no. know anything about the dude. And no one cares. Yeah. Ugh. And then he learns that we don't know the origin of the dish. And he's like, oh. Oh, you're in for it, buddy. Yeah. Here we go. And then we end up at the hotel, get some General So's liquor. Yes. And someone explains to the group that Americans are looking for traces of General So. Mm-hmm. And this one guy, I don't, I didn't get his name, but he explains they drink General So liquor to celebrate him. And I'm like, damn, like they still celebrate him. That's amazing. Good for him. I don't know anything. I don't know anything about General So outside of this documentary now, but like. Same. (laughs) But I respect that man. But like, I think it's so cool that they just like still respect and celebrate him. So one guy says that, you know, as a kid, General So was a little fat, but always capable and victorious. Yeah. But like being fat in that time was very good and prosperous because that meant that you were like rich enough to have food. So, you know, good for him. So that sounds like he came from some wealth and class. I don't know. Yeah. But then we say that he it was a patriot who like always stood for keeping the Westerners out of China. But he also took down a peasant rebellion. So, you know, a cab a little bit, maybe, you know, <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. I mean, generals were really tough. Yeah. I assume. To, to put it nicely. Yeah. 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 He was not about, he was like totally against Westerners and colonization and wanted to preserve Chinese culture. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. Maybe could have been nicer, but you know, good for him. Yeah. <laughs> so then there's this woman who says that uh, if he was alive today, he would be like, huh? Because there's a dish named after me. Like he wouldn't understand it. Like he wouldn't really get it. Yeah. But then uh, her name was something that you got that I didn't get. Yeah. So she's Jennifer Lee, author of Fortune Cookie Chronicles. Okay. And she tells us that General So is a big part in keeping together modern day China. But like not to be a total dumbass, her lower third said Jennifer eight, like the number eight, Lee. Yeah. Like the number eight is her middle name. It could be. I don't know, man. So uh, eight is a lucky number in Chinese. Okay. So I'm not surprised that a parent, like a superstitious parent would name their child eight. Yeah. Like my dad is one of five brothers. And they all have the same first name. Yeah. So 
I'm I not. I wouldn't put it past somebody. Yeah, I'm not trying to be like, oh, that's weird. I'm just like, oh, I've never seen that before. A number as a name. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised unless she was also she could have been the eighth daughter and they just numbered their kids. Oh, <laughs> you know, because they, be they they do be having lots of kids. They do. They do. Um, but no, I mean, yeah, it's a lucky number. Yeah, and she's like, he wouldn't get the dish. Yeah, like he wanted to keep Westerners out of China. I was like, but, you know, right. good for him. <laughs> yeah. And another woman says that mixing sweet and spicy flavors just aren't traditional, which is what the dish is all about. So then he would also be continued confused. Yeah. yeah. And like before she comes in, we get an animation to learn some history from Robert G. Lee, a mm-hmm. historian at Brown, and Joanna Whaley Cohen, who's a historian at NYU. And they just give us more info about General So. Like he was a 19th century general and he put down the Taiping Rebellion. He was a patriot and his soldiers were super loyal and he was strategic and ruthless. And I'm like, I feel like oh, they were all strategic and ruthless. Yeah, that's like a nice way to say like bad things about somebody. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Respectfully. Respectfully, yes. That's <laughs> my new favorite thing. This dude was bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Respectfully, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm going to be honest. I didn't think he was going to end up being a real person. You know, same. I thought yeah. it was going to be just like some made up bullshit. But yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad that there is a history. I know, but I felt so ignorant. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I was like, "Oh fuck, he's real." Oh, <laughs> but then, <laughs> so then somebody reads off some of General So's actual favorite dishes, and it, it none of them are anything like the dish that is actually General So's chicken. They did sound really good, though. They were so there was like secret river fish, double cooked pork, local goose casserole, original flavor beef hoof, and also like, is there meat in hoof? Like how how much meat do you get out of hoof? Or know. are you like boiling it down? Like uh, what what is that? I, I want to know what that is. Boil it down. I don't know. I want to know what that tastes like too. Now. now yeah, I'm, me too. I would try I'm it. I'm curious. Yeah. Do you like? Is it like when you bite into a bone, you get like the marrow? Like oh, that? maybe. Is there stuff in there? I don't there? know. I just yeah. I never considered what was in hoof. Yeah, to crack the shell open. Maybe. Uh, I feel like I'm just sounding so ignorant now. <laughs> Your white is showing? <laughs> Super white. <laughs> so then we cut back to uh, Liang, and he says that So was a powerful general, but he did not invent this dish. So now we're in San Francisco in the Chinese Historical Society, and we meet Su Li, who is the executive director. And she says that it's interesting how it happened. Like, how, like, did the same people, or like, did multiple people have the same idea in different areas of the country? Or did one person have the idea and then it spread? She also says they don't have a file on General So. And I was like, what are you saying, Sue? He's fake. <laughs> what do you mean? You yeah, they set up like he was made up. Yeah. <laughs> That's Maybe like, she just didn't know. I wonder. Sue. <laughs> but I still like her. Yeah, yeah. She was very uh, informative. <laughs> yeah. So now we're looking at a map of the Chinese populations by state per the 2010 census. And apparently Chinese people are 1% of the population. And you can bet, though, that she says that 90% of all of America has had Chinese food. So like, that's interesting that that is the ratio and how did that happen and how did that get to a point? And also, that's an amazing point. Never thought about it that way. Yeah, me neither. I was like, okay, Sue, you're yeah. really boggling my mind right yeah, now. Yeah, she's really making me think. I thought, again, back to like, this was supposed to be a head empty, no thoughts. Yeah. This is head full, many thoughts. Yeah. Many, many, many thoughts. I like pause a couple times to like collect my thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she also tells us that a good chunk of Chinese immigrants came during the gold rush in the 1850s, mm-hmm. which... I feel like I did know, but didn't know at the same time. Same, yeah. <laughs> and she says that the early Chinese were here that were Cantonese, uh, and they all came through San Francisco's port, which I also did not know that, which was also fun to learn. Yeah. and Because you always just assume that Ellis Island is like immigrant central, right? Yeah. But then I guess it makes sense that like China like China's closer to the West Coast. And Gold Rush. Yeah, Gold Rush was during, over there. Yeah. 
And she says a lot came from the Guangdong area. But then we never talk about that area yeah. at all. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, but you can forget about that. I was like, but I want to learn, like, why did they leave? No, 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 no don't worry about it. <laughs> I want to know. Yeah. And we'll just have to go meet Sue ourselves. Yeah. So we go to one guy. He discusses how white Americans were weirded out by their new brothers and sisters. Mm. Uh, I He didn't word it like that. He but. did. He said repulsed. <laughs> yeah. He said that they were disgusting and yeah. smelly and dirty. I'm like very, I'm trying to like just. <laughs> oh, no, no. I'm here to air it all out. Yeah. He also says that they were like prejudiced to them. So they tried to get rid of the San Francisco Chinatown, made laws to persecute them. And it all led into the 1882 Chinese Exclusion Act. Love that for us. Yeah. So it made it difficult for certain people to come to the country. Chinese people. Yeah. Especially women. Yeah. And we learned that white mobs would go and harass people and burn their businesses. Mm, mm. And I was like, oh, geez. And run them out of town. Ugh. Yeah. Ooh. So Why ought to? Yeah, right. Ugh. Uh. Ugh. Anyway, there's a quote that says, they say exclusion, but they mean extermination. Oh. And that one hit me a yeah. little bit. I had to take a break and I'd be like, mm, Yeah. They really said that. Yeah, that word extermination is like mm. so extreme. Yeah. But it really does like it hit the point across. Yeah. And we learned that the Exclusion Act forced them out of labor, causing them to go into two main industries, laundry and food. And that, I didn't know that that's where that came from either. Me neither. Because both of my parents' families had laundromats. Well, my dad, I think, had a dry cleaner, but my mom's family definitely had a laundromat. Huh. And I didn't know why, like, because my my parents would always say, like, a lot of Chinese people had laundromats, but I didn't know why. Yeah. Like, how do you choose that as the industry? Yeah. And it's kind of interesting to learn that something from so far back affects now. Still, yeah. Yeah. And from working from them working in food, they simplified the food to American taste to mm-hmm. make money. So we just focus now from Secure like, the bag. Yeah. So now we shift our focus into Americanizing Chinese food. Yeah. So we go to Phoenix, Arizona. Mm-hmm. We meet Harlan Lee, who's a restaurant owner in Phoenix. His grandfather opened the restaurant in 1928, and good the, for her. Yeah, right? And the menu developed through the years based on the locals' tastes. Yeah, and what's funny is that we ask if she's ever had General Souls, and she's like, I do not eat that shit. <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's so interesting that, because, like, authentic Chinese food is so delicious. And but it scares Americans. Yeah. Like, I know that you've had chicken feet. Yeah. But, mo- like, if you say that to most Americans, they're going to be like, ew, gross, what is that? Yeah. So, like, you know. But also, like, Italians eat chicken feet. Oh, see, like, that's the other thing. Like, how is it that so many, uh, I mean, this is only two cultures are talking about, but okay. how is it that, it like, the same piece of animals eaten throughout multiple cultures, but, like, when it's one culture doing it, it's gross? Yeah. I think Americans have, like, this weird, because... <laughs> I'm going to judge all Italian-Americans right now. Okay, um, do it. <laughs> be nice to your different brothers and sisters on the planet because <laughs> we do a lot of the same shit and we eat a lot of the same food. So leave them alone. Tell me about it. <laughs> what do you eat? Yeah. So like my grandma loved chicken's feet. She loved pig's feet. Like she ate all that stuff. And it's like I see that in a lot of different cuisines too. I'm going to throw another left fielder in there. Yeah. But like pork butt. The I love flavor. Oh, man. <laughs> so good. What it brings to a dish? Yeah. I mean, so, you know, respectfully. Yeah. So, like, for me, it wasn't super weird to try chicken feet. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm like, oh, my grandma likes this. Oh, but it's dirty <laughs> when Chinese people do it. Ooh. Yeah. Like, I don't know. People 
are very set to like their foods mm-hmm. and like just what they're used to and like i think it's so weird when people don't try different things right yeah yeah like you like the other thing too is is like um we've talked about this before too like if you go to a different country and like their street food is crickets but like so many people eat it then i yeah. would try it because that like you have the testimonials of like all these hundreds of street of people eating the street food yeah. and liking it and it's good there i would try it i would definitely have to like brace myself yeah. absolutely yeah if to. it was made here in the states i would not touch it at all yeah but if i was there you yeah. know what i mean <laughs> there's something about the setting too because <laughs> they they know what they're doing they know what they're doing <laughs> and you know that it's not being appropriated yeah like and like trying to like edit oh here's my special like special seasoning that i made because i like mine better yeah like if some white dude came up to me and was like here are some seasoned crickets that i fried up do you want to try some i throw holy water on him you know what I mean? like, really get out of my house devil oh. but um <laughs> but like, in the name of the lord yeah, get away but like i don't know i feel like i trust someone else absolutely same <laughs> like if it's like it stems from your culture yeah i trust you yeah yeah i trust you know what you're doing there here you go. <laughs> anyway we uh, cut to somebody else named bonnie who's talking about how incredible it is that these people like ella who was the or harlan lee and ella is the mom how they like just the actual actual discrimination and bullshit that they went through but they still like survived and like not even survived but they like you know succeeded and thrived and you know just continued i think it's crazy too that we we talked to all these different restaurant owners who like were like the first ones in their towns or whatever and they always face discrimination until people eat their food wild and then people eat their food and they're like this is banging right and what i also want to know is uh because we do talk about that later on is like who like who started eating the food like how do they get people in there to eat the food like the same way like you know when um shopping carts were invented people wouldn't use them until they had to hire people to use the shopping carts or like when people wouldn't use seatbelts. right yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> god damn it people are so stupid <laughs> we're all sheeple you know yeah but like, like who was the first person that was like or like i guess the first american person to be like oh that food's not that bad the one like not racist person in the town yeah <laughs> like who, who was like who was oh it? do you smell that the the hero yeah the white savior yeah. if you will chinese chinese food restaurants always smell so good on the outside and you're like i gotta go i gotta I, go inside I'm there i just want to sit inside them sometimes <laughs> yeah they smell so good uh but then anyway so she does go on to say like same thing as you were saying before that you know they they faced all the racism and stuff but then they started to appeal to the white taste and Ugh. that's when people started to like move in and like that's when assimilation happened they didn't say the word assimilation but that's what it is yeah it was like slowly like yeah. gradually assimilating and now we move to the 1900s in the chop suey era which just means bits and pieces of different things but it's very much an american targeted dish which yeah. i also didn't know i've yeah, never known what chop suey was i've just also like seen it i'm like i don't know what that is again i'm not gonna eat that yeah i stick to a lot of the same stuff on the menus yeah and like i'll try different things every now and again but then i'm always like damn i kind of wish i got my usual <laughs> <laughs> it's the uh what's that called the um the buyer's regret yeah or remorse something like that <laughs> so then another woman says you know so chop suey is like chicken and pork and beef and some veggies you know uh, all the things yeah. that americans would recognize and then she's like and it's very much a flavorless dish and i was like ah oh, oh, drag em. damn yeah I, was, I just i always loved all of the uh it felt therapeutic for me to hear all the americans get dragged in this movie yeah <laughs> it was so good for me it's what i needed this week i mean they're right though they're right it's you take the flavor out of it and then like everybody likes it again not to be like you can't eat food or anything but just like the american palate is so boring yeah i mean some chinese takeout places do like they're so good but they're like so good th- it's so different the everywhere. one right around the corner from us yeah oh, top notch yeah the one by my house is so good Ooh. yeah um we go to the menu guy real quick and yes. he shows us one from 1916 the, how, how do you even have it for that long 
Yeah. Where did they preserve them? Yeah, like, did someone send him that? Like, oh, wait, we answered it... that immediately right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he says that uh, to date, you know, like, you can only have so many of them, but people, sometimes they send them to him. Some people keep scrapbooks of their exotic dishes and the menus that came along with it. So that's how he got this 1916 one. Weird. Was that the oldest one in his collection? Uh, He didn't say that, but I would assume so. Yeah. Super fresh. I would frame it. Me, me too. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, why is he hiding everything? Again, not our collection, but. Yeah. We go to like a bunch of different restaurants and we meet another restaurant owner who does Chinese and American food. Yes. And he makes this like huge burger. And I was it looked like, really good. I was like, I'm, dro- <laughs> I'm drooling right now thinking about it. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. He says that. Uh, was this the same guy? Because we, we we do a lot of like intercutting between a lot of different restaurant owners. There's so many people so, like, in this there's, movie. There's one segment that just like quickly goes over that chop suey was basically a way for Chinese food to be introduced to American people because it was like safe and recognizable to them. Yeah. And then we cut to another dude talking about how he was 18 when he, I think it was this restaurant, this one, the, the patron of this restaurant, he was 18 when he came from Dayton, Ohio to this place and he got chop suey and it was, he just remembers that it was like the first thing that he got and like he's just been eating here ever since. Oh, I remember that one. I didn't write him down. Oh. I didn't think he was important. <laughs> Neither did I. I was just writing as we were going. <laughs> yeah. But um, he was just saying like, oh man, and it was the best and I've been eating here ever since and it's amazing. Ah, Yeah. That's kind of nice. It's cute. You yeah. Know? So we see chop suey start to pop up in Chinese restaurants around the country. And yes. this dish was super popular when it first appeared. And I think that's so interesting how it just spreads. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like who gets wind of what? How do you decide to add that to your menu? The thing that that was interesting to me here was that the guy the american chinese place that was like hamburgers and also chop suey yeah was um like i've never seen an american chinese restaurant i've seen an i've seen a chinese mexican restaurant in brooklyn wow. i've seen like other like tex-mex uh, not tex-mex but like you'll see like kind of like you know more spanish chinese fusion but i've never seen chinese american like yeah. on the same menu yeah like you'll go to a chinese buffet and you'll see like some american food right but you never see like a combo Right, yeah. There's a Cuban Chinese restaurant in the city that I really, really, really want to try. Ooh, that sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so yeah, chop suey signs popped up everywhere, became a national phenomenon. And then it kind of, she says, laid the groundwork for modern day Chinese food. Yeah. Interesting. So then we cut to the next section of the movie, which is the diaspora. Yeah, I was like, oh, we're going to get real serious. Yeah, I was like, oh, man, <laughs> here you go, thinking more. Yeah. So we learn after the exclusion era, that's when Chinese immigrants moved around the country. Yes. Because uh, so, they were escaping persecution. Yeah. And they were trying to, like, as they were going east, they were trying to go to places that had less competition with other Chinese people so that they could just find jobs, which made sense. Yeah, definitely. And we end up in Tucumari, New Mexico. I'm glad you said it, not me. I didn't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> we're going for it. We're just going to go into it. We meet Tammy Fang, who owns the only Chinese restaurant in the town, and she has the only Chinese family in town. Oof. That's fucking wild. That's rough. That is so weird. Yeah. But she likes the town, so that's good. Yeah, I'm glad for her. I, she does say that her family calls her crazy for doing it, but also, like, she's yeah. secure in the bag. Yeah, really. She's doing what she's got to do. I thought Tammy was so adorable. She was super cute. Yeah. And then we meet David Chan. He likes going to different Chinese restaurants, and he's been to 6,000 around the country. How do you remember who has the best what, or, like, where your favorite, like, sesame chicken is, or where your favorite, like, beef and broccoli is? Yeah, I wouldn't be able to. No, neither could I. Because, like, we talk about it all the time, is, like, we don't know where we've had the best burger ever. No, absolutely not. Because, like, you have burgers everywhere. Yeah. And, like, you're always, like, this is a good burger. Right, yeah. But I would never be able to tell you where I've had the best burger. I could tell you where my favorite fries are from. Couldn't tell you where a burger was. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's so weird, right? So weird. How does that happen? Yeah. Anyway. So he mentions the 6,000 restaurants, right? And I'm like, I wonder how different the food tastes from state to state. Oh, let's go on a tour. Yeah, right? Because even in close areas, restaurants with similar food can taste super different. So different, yeah. But he also says that like, you know, he he travels to all these different restaurants as a way to like seek identity and to see how these restaurants fit into American culture. And I was like, Ugh, that one, that was like that was a little deep cut for me. Yeah, right. And I'm I was like, like, I don't, I didn't need that right now. Yeah. And I'm sure so many people are like, yeah, they felt that. Yeah. Yeah. And he no, put, I felt that a lot. That was, yeah. that was a lot for me. Yeah. That was another moment where I had to like pause and like think about it and be like, oh, okay. Yeah. And Mr. Chan also points out names of restaurants. And I've always wondered why so many had similar names too. Yeah. And he points out that they're named a certain way to be non-threatening to Americans. And I was like, oh. It's all marketing, maybe. Yeah. Marketing and assimilation. Yeah. But then we learn about the Regional Chinese Association and how they assign territories to people. So I was like, wait, what? What is that? What do they do? I know. I feel like we just got like this whole other thing thrown at us. I had to rewind this next part so many times. Yeah, because I was like, wait, where? how did we get here? (laughs) What's happening? Yeah. So we meet Eddie Chu. He's like an executive of the Lin Sing Association. Yes. And he points out that the takeout restaurants have the same dishes and menus, and he runs an organization that helps immigrants set up businesses and gets them jobs and, like, teaches them how to cook these dishes. That is so cool. That is so cool. That is so cool. I did not know that that's how that happened. Me neither. And it makes so much sense now. Yeah, and they show, like, they have these printer presses, like, printing all these menus. And I was like, no fucking way. That's wild. That's crazy. Like, oh, man, I could rave about this revelation forever. Yeah. Like how like the way just the way that the they they made like the system to work for them and like to like accept the immigrants to like help them get their start at some oh, oh. was a lot. I was like th- this felt like a light bulb moment where I was yeah. like no fucking way. Yeah. And, and then you're like oh obviously. Yeah. Like how well because I always I always I mean again I was going to talk about this later on but we're going to talk about it now. I always have wondered like I've told you too like how is it that no matter what Asian restaurant we go to there's always like Asian speaking staff there. Yeah. Like there's like we're in the middle of like upstate New York. How did this like fluent Chinese person end up here? Yeah. Because they went to an association and they helped them find a job. Oh, my God. And like help amazing. Them, help them travel somewhere. Because we yeah. learned later on that the association also shares with people like where they can go to find more yeah. jobs. Amazing. Like, crazy. I love that. I love that so much. I was like, wow, that's amazing. Then we cut to somebody, uh, Mr. Yu from SUNY Purchase, a local man. Yeah. And he's saying that Chinese restaurant owners relied on their tight networks of uh, just to learn like the popular dishes so like they would help each other out. And we love that. Yeah. I love that the... Chinese immigrant population was so tight. Yeah. You know? Because no one else would accept them. I know. Like, it's sad that it has to, like, be like that. I know. Sorry to be a buzzkill. Because of that reason. But, like, at least, like, they had each other. Yeah. Someone had to look out for them. And it was them. Yeah. So then some other guy says that, you know, so so many of them didn't speak English. This is how they found their jobs at restaurants. And then Eddie goes back to say that, you know, the organizations were there to help the businesses get their start. This is where they would like, they would help them kind of like figure, like we were just saying this before, but like he was like, you know, we would tell them, settle down like upstate New York, go to Syracuse, go to like Ohio, go to this place. Yeah. And then they would just go there. I mean, they would help them go there, but like they would go there and like start their life there. So then we cut to Springfield, Missouri. Yes. And a restaurant owner says that he doesn't know about General Tso's chicken, but he does know about cashew chicken. And I was like, oh boy, a curveball. Yeah. I I love cashew chicken. We're going to learn about another dish. Yes. And it's like a two for one learning experience. Yeah. So the owner of that restaurant's father came to the U.S. in the 1940s and moved to Missouri and 
opened his restaurant mm-hmm. was not met with open arms. No, no, no. People. Well, what also was interesting too is he moved. He landed in Florida, and then he cooked for some like rich doctor who was like, "I like this food. Come to Missouri with me." And then he just went. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, the things that you could have just done in the forties, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come on. So people picketed and protested at his restaurant. And I was like, where's that guy to like back him up? And they bombed the restaurant. Yeah, the day before it opened. How? Like the, mm, the nerve. That's wild. How? Why? You know, like yeah. this. Hmm, I'd have some words with those people. Yeah, but then people ate the food and they loved it. Right. Like, Are you I'm, kidding me? Hello? Yeah. Wow. Stop being an asshole. Yeah. Stop. stop. Be, be more accepting of people. Stop Imagine it. though, like, I mean... He did have like the cosign of that doctor to be like, this is amazing food. Like you should definitely open up shop here. But then after like getting picketed, after people like screaming at you to go back to where you come from and then to get bombed, how do you like still stay there? Yeah, right. So like good for him for staying there. But also like me personally, I like I don't know if I would. Yeah. I have to like be in it to like know because I'm sure he put like he put his whole entire life into making that restaurant. So I'm sure sure. that's all he had. He wanted to rebuild from there. But like, oh man. You like guilt all your customers be like, oh, you should leave a bigger tip because like, remember you picketed me last Thursday? Yeah. I'm trying to rebuild from the bomb you placed in my restaurant. (laughs) So uh, just need some extra like uh, security and window budget. Uh, But no big. Yeah. So this man ended up inventing the cashew chicken dish. What a legend. Yeah. Amazing. So he says that, you know, he understood that people liked their comfort food. So he took bones out of the chicken and then he would deep fry it. And then he put some brown gravy sauce on it. And then he threw some cashews on top. And then that's just how it happened. And it, he, it so took good. off from there. That sauce, I want to like oh. dip bread in it. That looked it's so, so good. good. <laughs> so good. So then we're talking to his other son in the kitchen who's saying that one day McDonald's came around to see like their technique for the chicken, but they didn't want to pay dad for it. So they just kind of walked away. And then the next year, chicken nuggets came out. Boo. The... The, the range, the <laughs> impact that this man had. Yeah. He invented chicken nuggets. Yeah, right? That's crazy. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah. He influenced chicken nuggets. The the way that he got no credit for that. <laughs> but the impact, again. Yeah. Incredible. That's I could amazing. never, I could never imagine that. I would brag about that. For my entire life. Yeah. You know chicken nuggets? Yeah, that's me. That's me. Yeah. And he's still alive. Yeah. Or at least as of 2015, he's still alive. Yes. Incredible. Amazing. Show-stopping. Never the same. (laughs) Never been done before. (laughs) Yeah. And one of his sons is, like, talking about their food. He's, like, so passionate about it. I love that. I love him. I'm so glad. That's the other thing that's interesting, too, is, like, I mean, it's not just Chinese restaurants, but, like, just with a lot of, like, the mom-and-pop restaurants is that, like, it's so in the family. Like, I wonder how many people like the kids like the next generation i wonder how many of them like genuinely do like love being there and how much of them feel are there because they feel like they have to be versus like do they want to do other things both yeah (laughs) i wonder what that's like (laughs) there's gonna be like one kid hates it one kid loves it yeah always so we go to new orleans yep we meet tommy wong his family opened a restaurant in hammond louisiana they opened it in the 1960s and they were the only chinese family there or they went there in the 1960s yeah and i guess they invented honey pecan shrimp Yes, they did um, this. their one patron. Again, their patrons are very passionate about them. He's like, yeah. they get the best of Louisiana, they get the best of Chinese, and they mix it together. And it is amazing. Yeah, and we're seeing these Louisiana Chinese fusion foods. And I'm like, they these look so good. look amazing. Yeah. yeah. 
Frank, the owner of the restaurant, hits on the point of cooking for the locals again, and he shows us this alligator dish. Oh, that looks so good. It did. Because he made so a good. very fair point. He says you cook for the people, you don't cook for yourself. Yeah. And that's like, duh. Yeah. And we're seeing all these dishes, and I'm so amazed with how versatile these chefs are. Yeah. Like, if you gave me alligator and you said make an Italian dish, I'd be like, what do you mean? What do you What are you talking about? I, this is alligator. This isn't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't. Can I make a meatball with this? Like, what do you mean? <laughs> What? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there's like fish dishes that you can try to try to just transfer to yeah, alligator. Maybe. I mean, can I put sauce on it? Do you think it'll Does be it count? Like, do you think it'll be okay? Put a little risotto under it. Yeah. Yeah. We see a plate of food and there's the mixed veggies. Mm-hmm. Can I tell you, one of our friends told me baby corn was just corn that was picked early and I was so shocked. Is it? I thought, wasn't it? Um, I also heard that it was like the corn that was like taken off the shuck and then just like mushed together. But I'd like to believe that it was picked early. I thought it was its own thing, then it just grew that way. Oh. <laughs> you know, that's also fair. <laughs> we'll just have to ask. Yeah. So I'm sure somebody knows. I was like, what do you mean? Let's make a documentary about it. There's not just like a baby corn bush? <laughs> <laughs> just the baby corn seeds. Yeah. <laughs> but what? you know what's, what's super cute is that Tommy tells us a story about how one day some woman came in saying that they'd always come get Chinese food after church and it's like her comfort food now. So then he's like, you know, it's kind of ironic now, right? That Chinese food is the is the new comfort food like it replaced meatloaf and i was like oh how about that i do feel extra comfortable (laughs) or comforted (laughs) when i eat some chinese food that's nice (laughs) to agree (laughs) good as it should yeah (laughs) so now we're in syracuse yeah and a man named don is there and he grew up orthodox jewish and he says that they'd always come to the chinese place mom would always eat whatever it was dad hated that because you know there's pork in there he never ate pork but then dad told him the rule like if you can't identify it it's safe to eat he goes on to say that the rabbis are like, that's not the rule. That's not safe to eat. Don't eat it. <laughs> YOLO. <laughs> YOLO. So then the owner comes out to say that he remembers Don and says that how, like, he came out to the like the restaurant floor on Christmas Day. And he's like, it was 90% Jewish people. And then he goes on to say that, like, on Christmas, there's the saying that, you know, the Jewish people always have Chinese food in a movie. And I've heard about that. I just didn't know that that was, like, an actual saying. Huh. Have you heard about that? Uh, no. I mean, I've seen it in movies. I didn't know it was, like, a thing. I like to tell people that like, because I have like international friends and they're always asking me about like American high schools and like how if they're like in the movies. And I was like, well, movies take stuff from real things. They do. So, so yes. <laughs> it is exactly like that. It's, it's real. They're all 30 year olds. Yeah. They all have full abs. <laughs> yeah. I, I wasn't really paying attention during this scene. I'll have to like admit that because i was just staring at the food mm. you know they they did distract that way yeah like, basically don says uh john is the jewish man he says that there's a joke that says that the jews have been around for five thousand years chinese people for a little over four thousand years so that means that there was about 1500 years where the jews had to survive without chinese food uh-huh. which is kind of funny that is funny <laughs> so then he says that uh, a lot of jews want to be americanized and part of that is going to chinese restaurants and i didn't know that chinese food was part of the american experience i didn't know that either that like helped me feel like better like yeah. a little more welcome as an Asian person. Yeah, I definitely had to pause it here and like internalize that too. Because yeah. I thought it was so interesting. Yeah, there's this movie had me doing a lot of um like I was very uh whiplashy with my like, oh, maybe I need to be like a little more chill about like sharing my culture. And then like, no, they don't deserve to have that. And then like, <laughs> oh wait, that's very neat and welcoming, but oh, they don't deserve that. Some deserve it. Some deserve it. <laughs> not all men. <laughs> definitely not all so men. <laughs> We go to this man named Ed, who was the guy in the beginning who annoyed me. He continues to annoy me. What was his deal? Is he just a chef or something? I don't know, because I didn't read his lower third. 
Okay, me neither. But he was very, uh, I would say, pretentious, maybe? Yeah, something he was, about him was weird. He was very like, oh, I know so much about all of this food. I'm the go-to for knowledge about everything. Maybe he's a chef. Probably, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. That's, that's kind of the vibe but I got. But he basically says that he grew up eating two ethnic foods, Jewish food and Chinese food. And then we cut to another author named Mary who says that in her small town in Montana, she would always remember going to the Chinese place that she like describes the Chinese places. And then we get a montage of people raving about their favorite local place and how they, you know, I would always grow up here and I love, you know, whenever we don't want to cook, it's always getting Chinese food because it's always just so simple to eat. Clean up is easy. Yeah. Uh, and then we go back to Bonnie saying about how, you know, some people like for a lot of small town people chinese food is their introduction into the world of chinese food even though it is like just as american as anything else super american and then we i thought that was an interesting point it was a very interesting point yeah so then we cut to which i can talk about later on (laughs) we cut to a fortune cookie factory and somebody named david explains how fortune cookies have been around for over 100 years and they have danny danny i just saw the d and i guessed (laughs) i was like d whatever mr danny mr danny says that the fortune cookies have been around for over 100 years and that they have over 10,000 fortunes in their database and that the college students help them write them that's fun that's fun and we also got to see them being made which was really cool yeah yeah I do know, I've known before this, that fortune cookies are very much an American thing that yeah. they were invented here. And like, I go on about that all the time whenever people are like, oh, I need my fortune cookie. And then I'm like that guy that's like, did you know? Because <laughs> like, I need people to know that that's not a thing. I knew they were only American. I didn't know they've been around for 100 years. I didn't know that either. I knew they were invented in San Francisco, though. I would have been like 20. Right. <laughs> How old am I? Yeah. Fucking like a fucking <laughs> older than me, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. 30 years, maybe. Yeah. One of our experts from earlier mentions that through food, that's how Chinese immigrants gained social and cultural acceptance in the U.S. Mm-hmm. But really quick before that, yes. we just just to cut to show that like it's an American thing for fortune cookies. We go back to oh, our, yeah. our Chinese <laughs> host. Yeah. And um, Mr. Liang, he's like, what is this thing edible? So then he bites into it and he's like super gentle about it. And then he pulls the paper out of his mouth. Uh, just to show that they have no idea what it is over there. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. But yes, now back to the, the welcoming of the cultures. Yeah. And in 1940, the Chinese Exclusion Act is repealed, which seems like a very long time. Uh, 61 years. Yeah. 61 full years. Yeah. That, uh, That's too much. Yeah. Um, but then we say like because uh, it happened, it got repealed because of World War II and China became an ally at that point. Um, and then that's when... Chinese restaurants kind of started to take off again. Mm-hmm. So then somebody named Charles, unless tell me I'm telling his name wrong again. <laughs> somebody <laughs> named Charles, who is another restaurant owner, says that, you know, wherever you go, if you see sunshine, there's a Chinese restaurant, which is very lined. I like that. Him. Yeah, I like that. That was fun. Uh, so it's like we, you're right, guy. Yeah. You you say it. You, you tell us what's going on. Yeah. We cut to some archival footage of the 1949 Chinese Revolution, the Communist Revolution. So we mm-hmm. get into that and I'm like gripping my seat now to be like, here we go. Yeah. This part was like a very ooh part. Yeah. Um, one dude points out that Chinese food is linked to international relations between China and the U.S. Mm-hmm. And then another expert says that in the 1950s, after the Chinese Communist Revolution, the image of China changes in the U.S. And yeah. I was like, oh, that explains Not a lot. for good. Yeah. Very much downhill. So now with China being seen as an enemy, Chinese Americans and Chinese food were also being seen that way. Yeah. Because now, remember, we're during the Korean War time. Yeah. So that's North versus South, communism versus uh, democracy. Yeah. So then China took the communism side. We obviously did not take that side. Yeah. So then Chinese food, yeah. downhill. Oh, my God. And I was like, oh, shit. That explains so much. So much. Yeah. Do you remember that time in high school where we played bingo with the vets and that one dude kept staring at me, like glaring at me? 
Oh. And I walked away. I was like, I remember we were leaving the building. Yeah. And I was like talking to you guys, like joking about it though. I was like, this one dude kept staring at me. And then like the light bulb and I was like, oh, Vietnam. Oh my God. <laughs> and Novel. I was like, oh no. That is one of many times where I would have laid out an old man for you. Oh, thank you. Because <laughs> remember that one guy in the parking lot who just kept walking towards you and I like had my fist ready. You know what's funny is that you remember that I don't because I wasn't paying attention. I think I was just I was, focused on getting to the car. I stared that man down. Oof. Oh my God. I was like, thank you for that. <laughs> I was so ready to jump in and like knock him out. <laughs> I think, actually, no, I do kind of, that was recent, right? <laughs> I think it was like last year. Ooh, yeah. You know, we would have both thrown hands. Yeah. We would have both gotten hit with assault charges. <laughs> but I would have, I would have gone immediately. Thank you. Yeah. That's just, it's, it's weird. Like uh, one of those things to be like in high school, like, right. Like I didn't think that I would have been aware of something like that in high school, but then it just like dawned on me and I was like, wait. Yeah. After a little bit, you're like, oh shit. Yeah. Yeah. But then anyway, back to the movie. Yes, we meet Philip and Cecilia Chang. Yes. She came over in the 1950s and she shows us a photo of her when she was young. She's stunning. Oh, she could have. She had it. Yeah. Watch out for all your mans. Yeah, really. She can have my man. <laughs> she can get him. She's welcome to. <laughs> she can take him. She says when she tried Chinese American food, she thought it was super gross. <laughs> yeah. And she was like, you know what? My restaurant is doing my food. Yeah. So she opened the Mandarin restaurant in San Francisco in 1959. And I've definitely read about her before. I know I've heard of the Mandarin. Yeah. Like, I know that it was one of those, like, like, staple restaurants, but I've never, like, actively been like, that's the Mandarin that did this, this, and that for the country. Yeah, no, I've read about her before somewhere, but I don't remember where. Mm, That's interesting. Yeah. And she faced a lot of discrimination when she came here. Yeah, she couldn't get credit, so everything was cash. She couldn't even rent because Americans called her dirty. Oh. Again, I am ready to fight a human. Yeah. Fight somebody for this. Anyway, then we talk about how when Mao was rising to power in China, that's when Chop Suey, the the fad kind of was fading. So now we go back to Menu Guy, and he says that, you know, you can kind of tell, like, what, what era the menus are from, like, what, like, decade or something based on the aesthetic. So then we cut to a 1971 He's announcement. Yeah. also, like, looking through to see what kind of dish, chicken dishes were around through the years. Oh, right, to I, see if General Tao's, like, kind of was consistent throughout the years. Yeah, and he's like, I still don't see it. I don't see it. I still don't see it. <laughs> I'm sure he'll find it somewhere. Yeah, so we move on to Nixon visiting China and yes. seeing Nixon eat real Chinese food and drinking. Yeah. I want to try whatever that wine is. I know I won't be able to handle it. It was, They were saying that it was like 120 proof. Yeah. Which would straight up kill me. <laughs> 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 so this was in 1972 yeah. and uh, he got he got invited by the Chinese president to like come have a banquet with them. So yeah, they were just saying that him eating Chinese food on live TV like changed the entire image of Chinese food for Americans, which again, talk about sheeple, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, definitely. But Cecilia says that like right after that, she got flooded with phone calls saying like, can you make the Nixon dishes? Can you make the Nixon dinner? So I don't, we don't ever know she, if she did. She hair flipped. She's, She's like, like, I can make it better. Oh, bitch, what? <laughs> can I make it? I invented it. Oh, yeah. They called me. So now all different types of Chinese restaurants pop up. Yeah, like, this is like the golden age. Yeah, you can see like signs. Sichuan, Hunan, yeah. uh, Kufian, Fukian. Yeah, I've never seen that. Me neither have I've I. I've seen Szechuan and Hunan everywhere. Yeah, the 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 Fukian is is new to me as well. I'm sure I've had it, but I just don't know that it was a different style of food. We gotta look for it. We gotta find it. Yeah. So we get another cut. The general arrives, yes. and I'm like, finally, here we go. We're gonna learn about General So's this chicken. Is 
this is the drama part of the movie. It's so dramatic. <laughs> and I was like, I need, to, I, and then it ends. And I was like, wait, I need more. And I for need, what, right? <laughs> I, need, I need more. So we're in New York City. Yes. Michael Tong opened the Shun Lee Palace in New York City. In and, 72. Yes. And we're told he opened the door for Szechuan and Hunanese food. Yes. So we meet him. And Himself. I was like, and Right. Yeah. It's so like anytime I watch like a history thing and then you see the person still alive and young. Yeah. I'm like, whoa, hold on. His restaurant looks very familiar, too. I feel like we've been there. Uh, I don't. It looked like it was on like the Upper East Side. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I personally don't know if I've been there, but also like it looks familiar to me. It looks very familiar. We should go. Okay. Um, So we meet him. He says he started in the 60s and 70s and people were looking for new food. Yes. So he opened a Hunan restaurant and that restaurant became super popular. And Chef T.T. Wang was with him. And he invented the General So dish. As of right now, though. Yeah. Bum, bum, bum. I was like, they're responsible. But then Michael was like, I have to confess. (laughs) <laughs> and he tells us that Taiwan had the dish first in the 1960s. But what's fun is before he confesses, so he says that um, his chef, Mr. Wang, invented the dish, right? And then he's like, you know, the New York Times put together a four-star review of us. And then we cut back to him and he's like, yeah, it was us. What about it? Yeah. And then he's like, anyway, I have a confession. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't do it first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, excuse me? Scandal. Right? Scandal. So we learned that Chef T.T. Wang was inspired from a Hunanese restaurant in Taipei. <gasps> Yeah. Whoa. The so, drama. Yeah, right? The original dish was Chef Peng's Hunan Yuan. Yes. And we learn a little bit about Chef Peng. And he immigrated from China to Taiwan and took on an apprenticeship by a skilled chef. Quickly like became... one of the most skilled of the time. Yeah. Quickly became a chef for the nationalist government. And he was considered one of the best Hunanese chefs. And I'm yes. like, we're going to get so dramatic. And remember, General So was from the Hunan province. So it makes sense. And so was Chef Pang. Yeah. So now you're connecting the dots and you're like, oh, man, they yes. stole it from him. Oh, oh very oh American God. of us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Chef Pang invented a whole ton of dishes, including General So's chicken. And he learns that people in the U.S. are copying his dish. So then he's like, man, I got to get over there now. Prove my case. Yeah. So he flies over to New York. Yeah. And in the 1970s, Eyewitness News started a segment where they'd go to restaurants and try out the signature dish. So they check out the restaurant that Chef Peng came over and opened. And I'm like, he came over and opened a whole restaurant? Just to, you, I mean, you got to puff your chest sometimes, you know? Out of That's your territory. Just you steal spite. my dish, I'm making a whole restaurant. <laughs> that's, you know? that's petty. That's amazing. That's, that's what I strive for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Chef Peng does this whole, like, amazing demonstration. But unfortunately, people thought that he was the copycat. Ugh. Not Chef, not Chef Wang. That hurts. I know. I, oof. And then we get, like, an animation of him going back home, like, in... All sad. In dishonor, yeah. <laughs> The huh. animation, the animations are just silhouettes. They have no faces, but they like really portrayed how sad this man they was. They did. You know what really distracted me during this this one, like in particular, is that um, during these silhouettes, it's very clear to me at least that it is a very it's a European man that's playing Chef Peng, because you <laughs> hey. could, you could tell from like the profile, like the nose is different, the hair is different, like yeah. it's not very like Asian looking hair, especially from the time. And I'm like, you couldn't find. Just like flatten the hair out a little bit. Just like push the nose. I don't know. Something. It's, it's just something. Like you can tell. Like I was actually explaining to um, some people the other day that um, like, you know, the Ray-Bans, like the the Wayfair Ray-Bans. The, yeah. The ones that um that just sit on your nose. Like I personally like don't wear them anymore because I don't have the bridge on my nose for them to sit on. Oh. So they just slide on my face. So they, they don't work for like Asian faces or like more like flat faced people. Oh. So I have to get the glasses that have the um like the nose pieces on them so that okay. they stay on my face. Damn. So like simple things like that. Like you would know like if not like you would know if but like you you can just tell like if somebody's from a certain background 
based on like bone structure. That's weird. Yeah. To think about. I never thought about that. Yeah. Huh. Anyway, that's just me overanalyzing an animation in a simple food movie. Not me having another <laughs> oh moment. Oh. <laughs> yeah. We learn that the American version of the dish has some sugar in it because Americans like sweet. Very sweet. Yeah. Yeah. And the dish quickly became popular and ended up on menus all over the country. Wild how that happened. Yeah. And then each restaurant, like each chef is saying like, so my dish has a little more honey. Mine has a little more touch of vinegar and sugar. My dish has this. And then we see one person prepping it and they just poured a ton of sugar into it. <laughs> like full sugar, all sugar, no meat. <laughs> and I was like, all right, hold on. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> so we go to Taipei and we're at Chef Peng's restaurant and they show them pics of the American General Tso's chicken and they're like, ew. Right. Amazing. I love that. I, I can't describe to you how much I love that. Yeah. And we fucking meet Chef Peng. Wow. What? What? I was like, wait, hold on. The king himself. The <laughs> yeah. man of the hour. Yeah. And I, I want to go try their food. Me too. Let's go. For sure. <laughs> so then we're just like, first of all, I'm not hearing anything because I'm like, that's Chef Peng. That chef, like I'm getting starstruck in the yeah. moment. <laughs> I was like, no way. And then he, he's now looking at the photos and his son is like, so what do you feel when you see these photos? And he's like, I hate it. I don't like it. There should not be broccoli in that. Yeah. When they showed him, like I was excited to see him, but I also felt sad. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, like we he totally, got like disgraced. We fucked his dish up. Absolutely. We stole we his dish and yeah. we fucked it up. Yeah. And we learned how he came up with the dish and he chose General So because he was so respected by the Hunanese people. And chicken because that was his favorite meat. I mean, come on. And I was like, oh, I feel so bad. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, he's just very not about the Americanized version of the dish. Yeah. He's like, I don't feel good when I see that. Yeah. And Mr. Jin comes back to us and he tells us he's the fifth generation grandson of General So. Whoa. And I was like, that is so fucking cool. I wish I could trace my family back that far. Me too. And I was like, Mr. Jin, you wait until now to spring that on us. Right. You took us to the province, walked us around, showed us all these landmarks, and now you're finally like, you showed us portraits. By the way. You showed us his home. Right. <laughs> and now now you're like, by the way, I'm his grandson. <laughs> yeah, anyway, no big, but uh, it's my grandpa. Yeah. Uh, you know, whatever, <laughs> no, but no, big flux, whatever. Eh, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. You know, but what about me? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and this kind of par- pulled on my heartstrings a little bit because like Mr. Jin says, he's proud. He's so proud of his ancestor, but yeah. he's also a little ashamed because Americans know the dish but don't know the man. Oh, yeah. I was like, damn. Yeah. That is kind of sad. So then we also cut to um, Miss Eight Lee Aww. in the blue. And she says... I like her. She was fun. I, I liked her I want to read lot. her, bro- her yeah. book. Uh, but she says that, you know, like, it's kind of ironic because, you know, first of all, like, General So's Chicken did, like, it in a way came from the Hunan province because he did and also Chef Pang did. But it's also ironic because So was so into preserving Chinese tradition and like not having the Westerners like colonize his space. But then it became such a Western dish. Yeah. And I was like, oh, man. (laughs) She's like, here's this American dish about him. Yeah. By Uh, the way. And we get shots of traditional Chinese food, but continue discussing Americanized Chinese food. And I was like, I'm so hungry. They had the the beef with the, the what do you call it? The with the, it's wrapped in the noodles. It oh, has the sauce the, uh, on top. Yeah, the hot churn. Hot churn. But all, so it's called hot churn because it's shrimp. Shrimp is ha. Um, I like the shrimp one. The, the meat one is, and I have a hard time pronouncing it because it's not a Western sound. So I'm trying, <laughs> I keep trying to practice and it keeps being hard for me, but it's like now churn. Uh, it's like N-G-O, but and like now, it's like now basically, yeah. but with a G thrown in there. Okay. But that bas- that's like beef. Yeah. 
I like the hot churn. I like it with the shrimp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's my favorite dish. They showed some of it, and I was like, oh, God. But then over (laughs) this montage, uh, this woman is talking about how, like, you know, the world's most magnificent culture and culinary cuisine has been represented by such a narrow range of dishes in the Western world. And it's not even just about eating in their culture. Like, food is the heart of the culture. So then another woman explains that food is so integral to us that we don't greet people by saying, hello, how are you? We say, have you eaten yet? Yeah. Which is very true and also very cute of us. It Not is to super flex, cute. but it's super cute of us. Yeah. And then uh, we go back to Cecilia and Son talking about how, you know, as kids, they would pick the crab meat out of the shells. But like an American child could never. Like she talks about how her grandkids <laughs> come over and they're like, no, grandma, we just put it in the blender. And then she laughs at us about that. Yeah. Amazing. That's Again. so funny. And then we cut to somebody else saying that there is like a downward appreciation of Chinese food in America. Because like if you want high labor French food, you get charged high labor prices, right? Yeah. But if you want high labor Chinese food, you you can't charge extra for that. Oh, So yeah. that's very much like so to like the today stuff. Like, you know, I don't know if you've seen the I'm sure you have the um, the sayings like, you know, love our people like you love our food. Yes. It's the same thing. Absolutely. It's like you love the food, but we're not worth anything to you. Yeah. So like, ouch, but also like to click something in your brain like make it work yeah exactly respect it Mm -hmm. anyway we go back to peng sun and he says that it is an honor to be popularized so much like he does have pride in being you know chef peng sun and and having the general so's chicken in his name because you know everyone around the world knows the name and he does joke that General So is the most famous person in the world because everywhere, every day, people are ordering like thousands of dollars worth of General So's chicken. That's awesome. And yeah, that's a great point. I like to sound a lot. Yeah. And we see Chef Peng's version of the dish and it just, it looks so freaking so good. good. I was like, it looks Chef so Peng, amazing. You're teasing me, guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then we cut to Hollywood at a P.F. Chang's. And which, it's Philip. It's Philip. Cecilia's son is the P.F. Chang's owner. Um, wh- incredible. Philip, how? Right? He's bringing this on us now. Hey, by the way, right? Yeah. Like, First Mr. Jin and now this. And also talk about a family legacy. Yeah, right. The Mandarin and P.F. Chang's. Yeah. And he's like, Ooh. my inspiration was to like take my mom's food, but make it more cash, you know? Yeah. And I was like, Philip. Philip. <laughs> Amazing. I've never had P.F. Chang's. Neither have I. Oh, okay. Should we look we for always, one? Should we we should. Um, I've always walked by one. I remember going by one. So my my vision of it is clouded by my parents because I remember like going by one once and then my mom's like, oh no, that's American food. And I was like, oh no, that's American food. <laughs> so, <laughs> that I is mean, so funny. Now after seeing this and like, like if you go in expecting it to be American Americanized Chinese food, then like sure, absolutely. But yeah. like if I would have gone in at that moment and expected Chinese Chinese food, I would have been disappointed. I would have written it off probably. Oh, like, for sure. I'm sure my mom, I'm sure that's what happened to her. You'd have been like, where's the hot churn, Philip? Yeah. Where's my yum cha, <laughs> Philip? <laughs> Come on, Philip. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> and he says that American Chinese food is its own style. And we transition from Which is that. Fair. Yeah. And we transitioned from that to other styles in the U.S. And we meet a woman who runs a Chinese Indian restaurant in New York City. Yeah, but also there's somebody else saying, I, I mean, it's the same time, so I don't oh, have yeah. to cut you off. But one of the other people says that, you know, there is kind of no such thing as authentic because Chinese cuisine is changing everywhere, which is a fair point. Yeah. So this is my moment of being like on the high part of the roller coaster of being like, oh, <laughs> you're right. Like I should be more like accepting of people trying like making their own with, with Chinese food and things. Yeah. And then That's- immediately after that, I turn around <laughs> That's what's cool about food, though, is you yeah. can take it and you can really play with it and and make it your own. Yeah, and like infuse it with like what you're saying with like the Chinese Indian. Again, never heard of that, Me but either. interesting. She says that it was it was the way that Indian people eat Chinese food, which I am now interested in trying. Me too. Right? Yeah, as long as it comes with some non bread. 
Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then what made me laugh so hard was this next part is we go back to the fortune cookie factory and the guy is saying how, you know, like everybody has their own version of it. So there's fortune taco cookies. There's fortune cannoli cookies. <laughs> that is amazing to me. I didn't know the cannolis were a thing. Neither did I. Or the tacos. Neither but did I. But I'm like, I want some fortune cannolis. Right. Do they fill them with stuff or is it just the fortune outside of it? Oh, yeah. You know, is it just a cookie or do they, I mean, like once you get it to the store itself, do they fill it? Yeah, Who right. knows? That would still be fun. It would. Uh, it's just like I never thought of it. Yeah, and we I've, get shots of other fusion restaurants, and I was like, "This is so interesting." Yeah, and then we the see the different meats that you fill it with instead of the chicken. Yeah, and then we see different variations of General So's chicken yeah. from different restaurants. Like this guy's like, "Here's my sandwich. Here's my tofu. General yeah. So's tofu. Another Veal, egg, snake." One guy made a pork shoulder. Amazing. I think oh, pork shoulder was it a pork is so shoulder? good. It is so good. So good. Ugh. When it just, it just comes right off. Ugh. Yeah. And you know what's funny now? We cut straight to two of the uh, Asian, like, experts, and they're like, I actually don't even go for General Tso's chicken. I've never had it in my life. And then the white <laughs> menu guy, he's like, I've had a four-year love affair with it. I love it so much. <laughs> so that's just one of those, like, you know, if you didn't know, like, at this point, if you didn't get who the dish was made for, now yeah. you know who it was made for. Oh, man. That's so so then funny. <laughs> <laughs> we go back to Michael Tong saying that the dish will never disappear, and he's, like, so smug about it. Yeah. He's like, my dish? Mm, longevity, baby. It's all me, guys. <laughs> yeah. And end of doc. Yeah, I liked this one. I did, yeah. It was way more educational than I expected. Yeah, I was very, again, whiplash of my emotions. I was like, I feel like I've learned so much. Yeah. <laughs> the that the Chinese association thing, I'm still thinking about it. Yeah. Like, I wonder, like, the people in it, I wonder if, um, you like, like, you know, like in any industry, like there's, you know, the double-edged sword. So I wonder if there are things that they don't like about it. But like on the surface, it seems really good and helpful. Yeah. Like, I know that not everybody wants to go into restaurants and, like, service industry, but, like, if you come here, you don't know the language. That's, and, like, the, your introduction to it. Like, that's pretty cool. And you've got, like, nothing yeah. to, like, like, if you don't know, like, if you come here and you don't know anybody and you don't have any resources, it's yeah. definitely, like, such a good thing to have. Yeah. And it just, yeah, it explains so much. Yeah. And I feel like it, this movie did answer a lot of those questions that we had about, like, how did, like, why do they all have the same menu? Why do they all have the same names? Why, like, again, you're in, like, the middle of Kentucky. Why is there a Chinese-speaking person here? <laughs> like, it makes sense now. I <laughs> yeah, get it. it. Yeah. It's amazing. Anyway. So interesting. I feel like I learned so much. Yeah. This was a really, also... A, a much better walk through Chinese American history than I would have ever expected. Yeah. So I would recommend it even for that sake. Oh, for sure. Especially that it was like, to- it was, <laughs> it's, it's pretty, I guess, um, uh, straightforward about how Americans treated Chinese people. Yeah, definitely. And how they continue to treat Chinese people. But yeah, it's st- again, still very, very informative and, and very helpful, I think. Yeah, it's it's crazy how much time has passed between like huge events and yet people are still treated the same. The same. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Anyway, I thought I was actually I'm I, I did think like going into this like last night I was going to bed, I was like, I'm gonna talk so much shit about what's happening right now, but we didn't touch on it too much and I'm okay with that. Yeah. Just so it's been a rough time for me. But, but it's okay. Yeah. We're we're I th- every time I think I'm coming out of it, like being like, All right, cool, let's get over this, then something else happens. It's just like the timing of things. It's been a lot. But anyway, also, this movie just helped me be like, wow, cool. So like that, that shit happened. Yeah. And this shit's still happening. So it's one of those things like, like, you know, how um, the other side of people who we don't uh, need to acknowledge exist. <laughs> always, always like, you know, it was so bad back then. So like, get over it now. It's the same. Yeah. It's, it doesn't it have looks to, different. It doesn't have to continue being bad. Yeah. It can be better. 
Anywho. It doesn't need to be like a little less bad. <laughs> what's your favorite? To change the subject to yeah. end on a happier note, what's your favorite uh, Chinese takeout dish? Oh, God. Okay. I I always switch between a bunch. I love the roast pork, mm-hmm. like with a passion, like that red sauce. Yes. Ugh, I love it. That's chasu. Yes. That's um, in, in, in takeout place, places. I don't love it as much as like authentic. Ch- yeah. Again, to be like that guy. I see. I, I know you've had both. When you point it out like that, it's kind of like, oh, yeah. Because I never thought of it as char siu. Because like it's when I've much, had... It's drier in takeout spots. Yeah, than and it it's is sweeter. Like in, yeah. Yeah, because like having real char siu, I'm like, oh, this is so good. Like, yes. And then I've never considered it the same thing. So it's I'm like, now that you say that, I'm like, yeah. oh. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're very different, but they're also like, I mean, you know, it's it's derived from, yeah. from something. But I never really go for like that as its own dish from takeout because I, it's it's dry. I, it's funny. Yeah. Actually, so I, I worked a few years up in the Woodstock area. And this one day, uh, me and my roommates were like, I was like, I'm going to make you guys chow fan, which is fried rice. Yes. So you put chasu in it, the roast mm-hmm. pork. You put like, you can put whatever you want in it. Your fried rice is really good. So good. Thank you. I'm very <laughs> so proud good. of it. That's like my dish. Uh, but you put like, you can put chasu in it. You can put peas in it, corn, uh, like any anything you want in it, really. You made it once with the sausage. And I was like, this is so good. I'll make it again for you. <laughs> oh my God, you please. you had it in a while. Yeah. But I was trying to show off to them be like, I make really good fried rice, guys. So then I went to the one Chinese spot in town and I was like, I'm trying to make my friends chow pan. Do you guys have chasu? And they were like, do you want us to just make it? And I was like, no. Yeah. But then, so they they gave me some chasu and it was just, it was the American style kind. And I was like, I don't want this kind. Damn, that's what they had. But yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's all, that's all that was available to me in like, like how much, how much authentic Asian food is there in Woodstock, upstate New York, you know? Yeah, definitely not. I also wonder where they get like the ingredients and stuff. Me too. But, um, so I like the, the chasu and then like, I just, I always order like chicken and broccoli and mm-hmm. beef and broccoli. And like, I do like the sweet and sour chicken because I just like dip and stuff. Yeah. I like finger food. I've never had um, sweet and sour chicken, actually. Yeah. Because I've always also seen that as like very Americanized. Yeah. But also because I was scared of the sour part of it, I think. I used to think that it was spicy. I don't know. My dad yeah, would no. always tell me it was spicy. I think, you know, when your parents <laughs> tell you lied. that you won't like something so that they have more of it. I yeah. think that's what he did to he me. He definitely did. And I believed it. Yeah. And I always get white rice because for some reason, I just I like white rice You know rice what I so don't, much. I was just talking to my sister about recently was that like, so the chafon that I've made for you, like we, I seasoned it with soy sauce. So it like is more of a brown, but then there's some takeout places that make it yellow. Yeah. I don't and get that. Where does, like, I wonder what that is. Like what makes it yellow? Yeah. It starts off as white rice. So what are they putting in it to make it yellow? Maybe like some kind of weird oil or something. I don't know, man. I don't know. But um, interesting. I would yeah. like to know what your dishes are. <laughs> I like um, sesame chicken. I like cashew chicken. I like um, the shrimp with lobster sauce is really good. I don't ah. know if you've ever had that, but that's really good. Um, lo mein depends. Sometimes it's depends on where you go because sometimes it's really greasy. Sometimes it's like better yeah. and less greasy. Beef and broth. I usually go for like the beef as my meats in, in takeout places because you never know. Like sometimes the chicken is like really dry. Yeah, sometimes. And I'm not into that. I've been lucky. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's like smothered in sauce. Oh, and good, I'm like, good, oh, good. the sauce is Phew. so good. Yeah. <laughs> but also there's another thing that I have. Like Chinese takeout places, their fried chicken is a different level. It really is. I don't know what they do differently than like a KFC or like a, just a regular fried chicken place. It is so fucking crispy and but delicious. It is, yeah. Maybe it's the, again, like the oils that they use, but it is, it just like tastes different than like American fried chicken. <laughs> You're like, and oh. It just, it, it just hits so different. Oh, baby, clog my arteries. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> send me to the hospital yeah it's worth it but you want to get like a half chicken <laughs> we have to. i'm getting like real hungry my stomach's yeah. growling yeah i think we're gonna have to end now so we can grab some food oh my god for sure 
the place where we get our sushi, they do really, really good fried rice. Mm. I think they do one of the best fried rices in the area. Ooh. Ooh, around. <laughs> yeah. We should keep a log of like the best foods. Maybe we should start collecting menus. Yeah. I have been having a hankering lately, though, for like classic Chinese food. A hankering, though. she yeah. said. <laughs> Ooh, an really, SAT word. Really been craving it lately. Ooh. But I feel like I'm always craving Chinese food. What am I not? I realize actually, like I like to think that I'm like, oh, I'm so cultured and I have, I, I'm not cultured. But uh, I, I, I realize every now and again that like most of the food I eat is Asian slash Chinese. Yeah. Like when I experiment, I don't really go out to like, I never go out to like just this Italian place for fun. Yeah. You know, like sometimes we Neither get do I. Italian. <laughs> or even like, you know, like Greek food, like only recently I've started enjoying Greek food. Yeah. So I've just realized like even just growing up, I've been very like in a bubble about like my palate it probably doesn't help too that every time i want to go out to eat i want like asian food right i mean no not that part but like just the fact that (laughs) yeah yeah, same thing anytime i like want a food it's like i just want this different chinese food you know (laughs) or burgers like i've never been like you know what i'm gonna try today greek food yeah you know (laughs) but i will when i discover tzatziki sauce so good oh that changed my game yeah I brought you to that one Greek restaurant, right? Yes. Okay, that place is so good. It was so good. Oh, we have to go back. Anyway, in case you weren't hungry enough, <laughs> oh my god, welcome my to lunchtime. <laughs> <laughs> I'm growling. So thanks for listening. Thank we you. need to go eat some food now. Yeah, definitely. Uh, tell your friends to listen to us. Tell your family to listen to us, the appropriate family members to listen to us. And <laughs> okay. find us on any of the streaming platforms wherever you listen to podcasts. And yeah. follow us on social medias at Shouty Media on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and now Letterboxd. Oh my god! I did yeah. post our first uh, review yesterday. Oh my god! I want to go through all of our old movies and just kind of post the new reviews. We gotta. And on that note, you should definitely call Jessica Damari for a theme song. Love it because she made our super fun one. Mm-hmm. And go get some lunch. Yes. Bye. Bye.